The winter months bring about colds, flu, COVID, and RSV. They are similar in nature with their symptoms and how they're spread. For very young children or older adults with heart and lung issues, RSV can turn into a serious medical condition. To learn more, Drs. Kara Jolly and James Pollock are here to provide information on the symptoms, how the virus affects different age groups, treatments, and the newly approved RSV vaccine for adults. Stay tuned, HealthStyles will be right back after this quick message. We imagine what can be done and then reimagine it for the better. We model our care after the best and then remodel to break new ground. We invest in our community then reinvest for the future. In a world of constant change, you can't be afraid to rethink, rewrite, restart. Sarah Bush Lincoln is constantly evolving to provide you with the area's best healthcare. Sarah Bush Lincoln, trusted, compassionate care. Welcome to Health Styles, a podcast. I'm your host, Lori Banks, and today I'm with Dr. James Pollack and Dr. Kara Jolly from Sarah Bush Lincoln Family Medical Center in Mattoon, and we're talking today about RSV. We're going to get a little more into that, but first, tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your specialty. We've already established where you practice. Sure. So I'm Dr. James Pollock, and I'm a primary care internal medicine and pediatric physician. I'm over at the Family Medical Center here in Mattoon, and I work with both children and adults. And I'm Kara Jolly, and I'm also primary care and internal medicine and pediatrics. And just like James, I work with both adults and kids, and I'm at Family Medical Center. So you cover the whole gamut, so of everyone on the spectrum. All ages. And do we, do, should, we should say that you are married. Yeah. As well. That <laughs> we is <are>. true. <laughs> okay. So was there any arguing about who was going to answer what question or who was right and who was wrong? No, but we <laughs> felt like we were doing a group project when we were digging deep <laughs> into all of the answers, especially with like the new RSV vaccines. Like that's definitely something new that we were both learning about this year. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, it is the season for a lot of good things like holidays, changing seasons, but unfortunately it's also the season for colds, flu, and RSV, which is our topic. And um, for parents of young children, you hear the word RSV and I'm guessing you hear some and feel some panic from these parents when they bring their kids in. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about RSV. What does it stand for and what is it? Sure. So RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus, and it's a common virus that causes respiratory illnesses in the fall and winter months. It causes a wide variety of symptoms, such as a common cold or bronchiolitis, which we'll get into more later here. All right. And what, what's kind of the root cause of it? Where does it come from? Yeah. So the big thing, it's a virus. So it's all around, it spreads from person to person from respiratory droplets. So what that means is that someone who's ill has RSV, coughs, sneezes, wipes their nose on the table on someone's shirt you know like it's all those things all the things do. that kids do <laughs> it spreads really easily um you can get it from kissing eating drinking after someone um it's just it spreads right so yeah. well who can get rsv and who is at most risk for serious complications so anybody can get rsv there's two groups of people that are most high risk to get serious complications from rsv and that's the very young, so toddlers, infants, and children generally under the age of about five, and anybody over the age of 60. The third group is anybody who's um, 
has a condition such as a lung condition, such as asthma or COPD, or those with a weakened immune system, such as those who are fighting, fighting cancer, patients who are on steroids, or other medications that weaken their immune system, such as chemotherapy. Okay. Well, tell us about the symptoms. Are they, you know, it's a virus, so is it like COVID? Is it like the flu? Is it like cold? Yeah, so it's very similar to all the viruses, the cold, COVID, flu, all of those. Most of these respiratory illnesses act pretty similarly, Mm -hmm. Um, but it also depends on your age, how it's going to affect you. So the things that we see with the cold, so like COVID, flu, RSV, all these viruses, they do congestion, cough, runny nose, fever, body aches, difficulty breathing. But if you're younger, so if you're less than two years old, or if you're older and you're over 60, then you can have symptoms that can be work, make it worse and you might be hospitalized with that virus. Are there pre-existing conditions that can make someone more likely to get RSV or make the symptoms worse? So there are. There's conditions that put somebody at an increased risk of developing RSV and potentially more complications from the virus. So these populations include anybody who has lung problems, asthma and COPD are the most common ones. Conditions that weaken your immune system, once again, people who are battling cancer, being treated with steroids, other medications that weaken their immune system, such as chemotherapy, anybody with an autoimmune disease, such as lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, um, and anybody who has heart problems, such as heart failure, or if they have a history of a heart attack. Essentially, if you have a problem with your heart, your lungs, or your immune system, you're more at increased risk of catching and having a very bad case of RSV. Let's talk about RSV in children. What age range causes the most concern and can lead to hospitalizations? Generally, for children older than two years old, RSV tends to cause symptoms of the common cold. If you're younger than two, you can develop a condition called bronchiolitis. Bronchiolitis is inflammation of the small air passages in your lungs, which are called bronchioles. When these become inflamed, it becomes really difficult for kids to breathe. They have symptoms of the common cold, cough, congestion, fever, all the things that you think about when you have a respiratory viral illness. But then they also have this additional symptom where it's they're having a hard time breathing because the air can't pass through the lungs like it normally does. These kids have retractions, which is where you see them working harder to breathe using the muscles in their belly and then by their ribs. And these kids will sometimes need oxygen or aggressive suctioning just to keep their oxygen saturations normal. And that's... That's where parents get panicky, I'm yes. guessing. Yeah, it's really it's, hard to watch. It's a hard thing to watch, especially to see your kid trying so hard just to get a breath. Mm-hmm. And when they're little, little, that's even worse. Well, what treatment options are available to children with RSV? So what's difficult about RSV <clears throat> is that since it's a virus, we don't have medications that specifically treat the virus. Antibiotics don't work because it's not a bacteria, it's a viral illness. We t- we also limit, limit we're also limited by children's ages of what medications or treatments we can use. Tylenol and Motrin tend to work well for treating fevers, body aches, and can make children less fussy. But in Motrin, we can't use it in kids that are uh, less than six months old. One of the best over-the-counter treatments we have for congestion, which is usually the cause of children struggling to breathe, are devices for suctioning out the nose, such as a bulb suction device or the nose Frida. These devices tend to work best if you put a few drops of salt water in each nostril before suctioning and then do the suctioning afterwards. This helps loosen up the snot so children can breathe much easier. Zarbies, can, Zarbies the over-the-counter medication, can be used to help for cough, but it can only be used on children older than one year because in children less than one year old, they can't have honey in the Zarbies due to botulism. 
What I will say is that a lot of parents are freaked out by the nose Frida. I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? No, nose I haven't. Frida? So it's a tube, like it's, it's essentially a tube that you put in your kid's nose and then you suck through your mouth to like suction it out. <laughs> okay. But there's a filter so that you don't you get the snot. You okay. don't get the snot in your mouth. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of parents who are like, I will never do this. Their kid gets sick. They try it. They're like, yep, I would do it for my kid. And honestly, it works really well. Okay. So... Don't be afraid. You're not going to get snot in your mouth by using the nose, Frida. I think it's one of the big things that we need to tell parents. It's a lesson of today's podcast is you won't get snot in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So when should parents seek medical attention for their child? Yeah. So most kids will have increased work of breathing with RSV. The real question is whether that increased work of breathing is preventing them from being able to drink. So if parents notice that their kids are peeing less than three times in a day, so if they're still in diapers, that's easy to count. Mm -hmm. If it's not, just try and keep track of your toddlers who are trying to get independence and peeing on their own. Um, And that can be a sign that they're extremely dehydrated and they have to come to the hospital to get fluids. For the really young kids who are still breastfeeding or taking a bottle, if they're unable to eat for two feeds in a row, they should also seek medical attention because they're more at risk of becoming dehydrated just because... They're little and they can't store the fluid like the rest of us can. Mm -hmm. The other thing is if your kid's acting listless, so they're hard to wake up, they're really sleepy, they're starting to become confused, that can also be a sign that they're not getting enough oxygen, and that would be a sign to come to the hospital as well. Okay. Is there anything parents can do to lessen their child's risk of getting RSV? (laughs) The standard things that parents can do to help decrease the risk of kids getting RSV is washing their hands, which does help decrease the virus spread from person to person. Making sure that our children eat healthy, making sure they get plenty of sleep can help better strengthen their immune system. So if they get the virus, they're better able to fight it off. And making sure that we all cover our coughs and sneezes and trying to keep our children home if they feel sick can help prevent the spread of the virus from one person to the other. Okay, so before we move on to RSV and adults, is there anything else that you wanted to add about RSV and children? Yeah, I think the big thing is that RSV is really common. It's a virus. It's one of the things that causes a common cold. Most kids are going to do just fine with care at home, even if they're working a little hard to breathe. If they're still drinking, they're doing well, you can keep them at home. But talking about the things that we mentioned earlier, they're having less than three wet diapers in a day. If they're not eating, skipping multiple meals, A lot of parents get upset that their kids aren't eating, and as long as they're drinking, they're going to be just fine. Okay. All right. So now, as I said, let's move on to RSV in adults. How does it affect adults differently than children? So if you're over two years old and into adulthood, the symptoms are similar to the common cold. Once again, that cough, that congestion, sometimes a fever, and just generally feeling unwell. But if you're an adult that has a, one of those pre-existing medical conditions that affects your immune system, your lungs, or your heart, your symptoms can be much worse. Okay. So what treatment options do you have then for adults? So similar to kids, mm-hmm. we mostly just have over-the-counter stuff. It's for symptom control. So it's a virus. We don't have antibiotics for it. They're not going to work because it's a virus. And we don't have antivirals for RSV itself. Tylenol and Motrin are going to help for fever and body aches, cough drops, honey, hot tea can help with the sore throat and the cough. Sometimes Tesselon pearls prescribed by your provider can help, but these are kind of hit or miss on whether they help or people just think that they help. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, while an adult may have a mild case of RSV, how easily can they spread it to children and cause something much worse for children? 
So it's fairly easy for adult, the virus to spread between adults and children, from adults to adults, and also children to children. Think about the last time you were over at somebody's house and someone in your family caught a cold. It spreads that easy. Like, you know, if one person gets it, the chances are everyone else in the household is going to get it. I think I remember seeing ads probably last winter for whooping cough, like how, mm-hmm. you know, you want to hug your grandchildren and you have them close to your chest and your mouth and you don't, you can unknowing, unknowingly spread whooping cough to that baby. Yep. And that's okay. why that's another podcast topic right there <laughs> is the Tdap vaccine, but <laughs> we'll save that for later. Okay. <laughs> okay. So at what point, you know, does an adult need to seek medical treatment? Yeah, so similar to kids, adults need to be hospitalized for RSV if they cannot stay hydrated, if they're struggling to breathe, or they're becoming more confused. Those are kind of the big three things that we're looking for for a virus. The other thing is sometimes the virus can push over some of your other conditions, like your heart failure, your diabetes, things like that. And if you're having complications with any known condition, that's another reason to come in. Okay. Well, we're going to get into prevention a little bit, but I want to give you a chance. Is there anything else you wanted to say about RSV in general before we move on? So in adults, even though RSV causes something similar just to the common cold, it can rapidly worsen or really make worse any pre-existing conditions such as heart failure, COPD, or asthma. RSV virus might be the straw that really breaks the camel's back and pushes somebody into a flare-up or an exacerbation of one of these diseases that lands them into the hospital. People can also develop severe complications simply from the virus itself, even if they don't have those pre-existing conditions, such as pneumonia or fibrosis, which is scarring of the lungs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk again about prevention in general. What do you recommend to people? Yeah, so wash your hands, cover your cough and sneezes, stay home if you're feeling ill, and then doing things to try and help your immune system eat healthy, get plenty of sleep, stay hydrated. All of that can help your immune system work. Okay, all those good things that would help prevent colds and uh, flu and all those other nasty bugs that we get. Yeah, with viruses, they're all pretty similar when it comes to the (laughs) respiratory ones. So uh, on some good news here, there was a vaccine that was approved in May and is recommended for adults 60 and older. Tell us a little bit. I know you said you had to research a little bit because it is new. What are, your, what are your thoughts? And let's talk a little bit about the vaccine. So there's actually two vaccines that got approved, and they're similar in how well they work and how well they prevent the um, actual infection itself. The two vaccines are called Arexvi and Abrisvo. They're what's called recombinant vaccines, which means they have little tiny bits of the virus that are killed or dead and not the whole virus itself. So you can't actually become infected with RSV from the vaccine itself. You simply get the immunity from it. Both of these vaccines have been approved for adults ages 60 and over. Most of the vaccines have a pretty similar side effect to the annual flu vaccine and and how they affect people. Most common side effect is really some irritation at the injection site where you receive the vaccine. Some people, after receiving the vaccine, can have some mild symptoms signaling that their immune system is working, which includes fatigue, mild fevers, or some body aches. Sometimes other people won't feel any symptoms at all the next day. The biggest side effect that we worry about is something called the Guillain-Barre syndrome, and this is a disease that can cause paralysis from the toes as it works its way up to the body. Guillain-Barre syndrome can occur with pretty much any viral infection, including RSV, but it's also seen with some vaccines that we use to prevent viruses. The risk is extremely low in the general population and is pretty much equal to the risk associated with any virus you catch. 
So think about all the viruses you've had over your lifetime from the time you were very young until now, and the number of people you know who have had Guillain-Barre syndrome, and that's the risk you really run with these vaccines. Okay. So anyone 16 over is eligible to have this vaccine, given that they're at increased risk of more complications from RSV infections. Groups that we would highly recommend receive the vaccine are those with harder lung conditions or those with compromised immune systems. Another population that's high risk are older adults who spend time with young kids, such as their grandkids. So if you're a grandparent, this is definitely something to think about. That, that is why my sister and her husband got it and why my mom and dad, who would be great parent, great grandparents, got it. They spent yeah. a lot of time with those little kids. Yeah, and kids are really cute, but they love to share their viruses with everyone <laughs> and vice versa. And then Grandparents don't want to share their viruses with their young grandkids who are at the highest risk for the complicated RSV bronchiolitis. The vaccine not only protects the adults who are older than 60 from catching something from their grandkids, but it also protects the kids from catching it from their grandparents. They still don't know if it will be an annual vaccine every, that's still kind of up in the air because it is so new. Yeah. So we'll talk next year at this time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have more recommendations then. <laughs> Yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think especially for people who are high risk and people who hang out with young kids, this is definitely a vaccine with pretty minimal side effects, similar to the flu vaccine, which we've been doing for a long time. Yeah. And honestly, with all the research and digging that we did, we couldn't find a lot of complications. Yeah, Maybe a sore arm. I'd take a sore arm over... RSV or influenza any day. Oh, yep. <laughs> Me too. Or the shingles. I had a very sore arm from shingles, but I had had shingles. So yeah. the shingles is far worse than the, than the sore arm. So. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that it, a lot of people say when they get these vaccines that, oh, I got the flu shot. It gave me the flu the next day. Mm -hmm. And kind of what James had talked about, a lot of times that's just your immune system responding to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And it tends to only last for about a day or two. Yeah. And it's a lot milder than if you actually caught the flu. Right. Because so, how long, if you get the flu, how long are people usually down for? It depends on kind of how severe your case is. You can be down for a week or two at some mm -hmm. cases, and you can feel pretty awful for that first week. Yeah. The other thing is that some people can then go on to develop bacterial pneumonia after they've had the virus. And that's true for RSV, flu, pick a virus that's out there <laughs> um, where you can get bacterial infections after you have the virus mm -hmm. and that knocks you down for another week or two yeah. and it takes a while to get that lung function back once yeah. you've been hit. All right well this is some great advice because we are heading into the winter season where we're cooped up inside holidays etc so we're just ripe for getting all sorts of nasty bugs. So. Virus season's upon <laughs> that's us. That's right so. so protect yourself protect your families. Thank you guys both. It was wonderful. I hadn't seen you for a well, while. I just saw you not too long ago. But James, I haven't seen you for two years. So we'll have to do this again. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> That's our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Just remember the information we present in this show is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for medical care. Please be sure to talk to your health care provider about your health care needs and concerns. To learn more about the services and providers at Sarah Bush Lincoln, including Dr. Jolly and Dr. Pollock, head over to our website at sarahbush.org. That's Sarah with an H. Until next time, this is Lori Banks, your host for Health Styles. I hope you have a great day.